Hello there, and welcome to episode 4 of What You May Have Miffed. I hope that thus far you've been enjoying this series. We've had more traditional folk tales and fairy tales than the past series, but I feel it's made a nice change of pace. But don't worry, there are many more of the, for lack of a better word, classic myths and legends coming up in this series. Just you wait for the finale. It's going to be huge. But this week we are staying with our folktales and returning to the lands we visited last series in episode 2 in a story about White Bear. Yes, this week we are venturing back to Sweden. Back to Sweden for another exciting folktale about trolls, a creature the Swedish enjoy telling stories about, and two lads raised as brothers who have very different adventures. But before we get started, remember that if you head over to TikTok, there are a variety of videos that explore myths, legends, beasts, gods and goddesses and more from all over the world. If you're feeling particularly generous, you can support the show as well and buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash the myths podcast. If you have any questions, then you can email me at the podcast at gmail.com or message me on TikTok or Instagram. And in two weeks, there is an exciting announcement about what is to come towards the back end of this series and what you can expect after this series is finished. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Right. Now for what you all came here for. Story time. So let's sink our teeth into this folktale from Sweden. Silverwhite and Lilwacker Once upon a time there was a king who was married to a queen he adored with a love as deep as the oceans. But sadly the queen died, and all that was left to him was his only daughter. Now that it was only himself and his daughter, he cherished her beyond anything else. She had everything she needed, but not so much that she was spoiled, and she grew to be the loveliest maiden to ever be known. But when the princess was fifteen, war broke out in her father's kingdom, and the king himself led his forces against his enemies. Yet as he loved his daughter so greatly, there was no one he would entrust her safety to, so he ordered a great tower to be built in the forest, provided it with a full store of supplies, and inside it shut his daughter and a maid. He then proclaimed that every man, no matter who he might be, was forbidden to approach the tower in which he had placed his daughter and the maid, under pain of death. Now that he believed he had taken every precaution to protect his daughter, the king rode off to war, whilst the princess and her maid sat in the tower. But in the city, and around the kingdom, there were a number of young sons of other kings and other young men who would have liked to have talked to the beautiful maiden. And when they found that this was forbidden to them, a great hatred for the king started to build. The young men met with an old woman who was considered wiser than most folk, and asked her to make it happen that something would befall the princess and her maid without it seeming like they had anything to do with it. 
rather naughty. The old woman promised to help them. She took some enchanted apples, placed them in a basket, and went to the lonely tower in which the maidens lived. When the king's daughter and her maid saw the old woman who was sitting beneath the window, they felt a great pang of longing to try the beautiful apples. So they called down to her, asking how much she wanted for her precious apples, but the old woman responded, saying they were not for sale. Yet as the girls kept on pleading with her, the old woman said she would make each of them a present of an apple. They only needed to let down a little basket from the tower. Not even contemplating that anything malicious was afoot, the princess and her maid did as the woman told them, and they each received an apple. But the enchanted fruit had a curious and weird effect, for both princess and maid fell pregnant, and nine months later gave birth to two boys. The princess named her son Silverwhite, and the maid named her boy Lilwacker. Despite being locked away in a tower for the first years of their life, the boys grew much larger and stronger than any other children of an age, and both were extremely handsome. Yet, despite their having different mothers, they looked like brothers. Seven years after the birth of the boys, and finally the king was expected home from the war. Then, both girls were terrified, and together tried to think of how they might hide their children. But they could figure no solution to the problem, so sadly sent their children away, letting them down from the tower during the night, telling them to seek their own fortune in the big wide world. As a parting gift, the princess gave Silverwhite a shining knife, but the maid, unfortunately, had no possessions to give her son. You'd think that after so long together the princess may have given the maid something to give Lil Wacker, but no. The two boys, who considered themselves brothers, were now left to wander freely in the world. After they had gone a while, how long I can't tell exactly, but several years, they came to a dark forest, and here they met a man, funny-looking and very tall. He wore two swords at his side, and was accompanied by six great dogs. Funny-looking he may have been, yet when he greeted them he was very friendly. "'Good day, little fellows. Where do you come from, and where are you headed?' "'From the tower, sir,' they replied. We are venturing out into the world to seek our own fortune. Ah, if that be the case, I know more about your origin than anyone else. And so that you may have something by which to remember your father, I will give you each a sword and three dogs. But you must promise me one thing, that you will never part from your dogs. You must take them with you wherever you go. The boys thanked the man for his kind gifts and promised to do as he had told them. Then they bade him farewell and went on their way. When they had travelled for some time more, they reached a crossroad. Then Silverwhite turned to Lilwacker. It seems to me that it would be best for us to try our luck individually, so let us part. Lilwacker answered, Your advice is good, but how am I to know whether or not you are doing well out in the world? I will give you a sign by which you may tell, said Silverwhite. So long as the water runs clear in this spring, you will know that I am alive. But if it turns red and roiled, it will mean that I am dead. Silverwhite then drew some runes in the water of the spring, said farewell to his brother, and each of them went on alone. Lilwacker soon came to a king's court, yes, lots of different kings in this one, and took service there. 
but every morning he would go to the spring to see how his brother fared. Silverwhite continued to wander over hill and dale until he reached a great city. But the whole city was in mourning, the houses were hung in black, and all the inhabitants went about with tear-stained faces. Clearly something dreadful had happened recently. Silverwhite went through the city and inquired as to the cause of all the unhappiness he saw. They answered, "'You must have come from far away, since you do not know that the king and queen were in danger of being drowned at sea, and he had to promise to give up their three daughters in order to escape. Tomorrow morning the sea troll is coming to carry off the oldest princess.' This news pleased Silverwhite, weirdly, for in it he saw the perfect opportunity for wealth and fame. The following morning Silverwhite strapped his sword to his side, called his dogs to him, and wandered down to the seashore. As he sat on the beach he saw the king's eldest daughter led out of the city, and with her went an armoured courtier who had promised to rescue her. But the princess was very sad and wept with great sobs. Then Silverwhite stepped up to her with a polite greeting. When the king's daughter and her armoured escort saw the fearless youth, they were terrified, believing he was the sea troll. The brave armoured courtier was so alarmed that he ran off and scarpered up a tree. When Silverwhite saw how frightened the princess was, he said, "'Lovely maiden, do not fear me, for I will do you no harm.' The king's daughter answered, "'Are you the troll who is coming to carry me away?' "'No, my lady,' said Silverwhite. "'I have come to rescue you.' Then the princess was glad to think that such a brave hero was going to defend her, and they stood a while in friendly conversation. Whilst they were stood chatting, Silverwhite begged the king's daughter to comb his hair. She complied with his request, and Silverwhite laid his head in her lap. But when he did so, the princess drew a golden ring from her finger and, unbeknown to him, wound it into his locks. At that moment the sea-troll rose from the depths of the sea, setting the waves whirling and foaming. When the troll saw Silverwhite, he grew angry and bellowed, "'Why do you sit there beside my princess?' Silverwhite responded, "'It seems to me that she's my princess, not yours.' "'Time enough to see which of us is right, but first our dog shall fight.' Silverwhite whistled and said his dogs at the dogs of the troll, and there was a fierce struggle in the water." But at last the young lad's dogs prevailed and bit the dogs of the sea-troll to death. Then Silverwhite drew his sword with a great leap, rushed upon the sea-troll, and in one tremendous swing the monster's head rolled onto the sand. The now headless troll gave a fearsome cry and flung himself back into the sea so that the water leapt to the very skies. Then Silverwhite drew out his silver-mounted knife, cut out the troll's eyes, and pocketed them. Then he saluted the lovely princess, and then, bizarrely, left. When the battle was over and Silverwhite had vanished, the cowardly armoured courtier clambered down from his tree and began to threaten to kill the princess if she did not say that he and none other had been the one to rescue her. The princess did not dare refuse, being in fear for her life, so she returned to her father's castle with the courtier, where they were received with great pomp, and through the streets and the kingdom Joy reigned when the news spread that the oldest princess had been rescued from the troll. The following day, everything repeated itself. Silverwhite went down to the beachfront and met the second princess, accompanied by the same courtier, just as she was to be delivered to the troll. 
When the king's daughter and her escort saw him, they were frightened, thinking he was the sea troll. And the courtier scarpered once again up his tree, just as he had before. Yet the princess allowed Silverwhite to approach, and granted his request to brush his hair as her sister had done, and also wound her gold ring into his long curls. After a time, there was a great tumult out at sea, and a sea troll rose from the waves. He had three heads and three dogs. But Silverwhite's dogs overcame those of the troll, and Silverwhite killed the troll himself with his sword. Thereupon he took out his silver-mounted knife, cut out the troll's eyes, and went on his way. But the courtier lost no time in claiming the victory for his own. He climbed down from his tree and forced the princess to promise to say that he, and none other, had rescued her. Then they returned to the castle, where the courtier was acclaimed as the greatest and bravest of heroes. On the third day, Silverwhite hung his sword at his side, called his three dogs to him, and again wandered down to the seashore. As he was sitting on the shorefront, he saw the youngest princess led out of the city, and with her the daring courtier who claimed to have rescued her sisters. But the princess was very sad and cried bitterly. Then Silverwhite stepped up and greeted the lovely maiden politely. Now, when the king's daughter and her escort saw the handsome youth, they were very much frightened, for they believed him to be the sea troll, and the courtier ran away and hid in a tree that grew near the beach. One would think by now that the cowardly courtier would recognise Silverwhite, but I guess he was just too lily-livered and spineless to double-check. When Silverwhite noticed the maiden's terror, he said, Lovely maiden, do not fear me, for I will do you no harm. The king's daughter answered, are you the troll who's coming to carry me away? No, why? So I look like a troll? said Silverwhite. I have come to rescue you. Then the princess was very glad to have such a brave hero fight for her, and they had a long, friendly talk with each other. At the same time, Silverwhite begged the lovely maiden to do him a favour and comb his hair. This the youngest daughter did very willingly, and Silverwhite laid his head in her lap. But when the princess saw the gold rings her sisters had wound in his locks, she was very surprised, and added her own to the others. Then the sea troll came shooting up out of the deep with a terrific noise, so that the waves and foam erupted to the skies. This time the monster had six heads and nine dogs. When the troll saw Silverwhite sitting with the king's daughter, he fell into a rage and cried, "'What are you doing with my princess?' Silverwhite answered, it seems to me that she is my princess rather than yours. Time enough to see which of us is right, but our dogs shall fight each other first. Silverwhite did not delay, but set his dogs at the sea dogs and battle commenced. But in the end, Silverwhite's dogs got the upper hand and bit all nine of the sea dogs to death. Finally, Silverwhite drew out his bare sword, flung himself upon the sea troll and discarded all six of his heads on the sand with a single blow. The monster uttered a terrible cry and rushed back into the sea so that the water spurted to the heavens. Then the youth drew his silver-mounted knife, cut out all twelve of the troll's eyes, saluted the king's young daughter, and vanished. Now that the battle was over and the youth had disappeared, the courtier climbed down from his tree, drew his sword, and threatened to kill the princess unless she promised to say that he had rescued her from the troll as he had her sister's. So they went back to the castle together, and when the king saw that they had returned in safety without so much as a scratch, 
He and the whole court were full of joy, and they were accorded great honours. At court, the cowardly courtier was a very different chap from the one who had hid away in a tree. The king had a splendid banquet prepared with amusements and games and the sound of string music and dancing, and bestowed the hand of his youngest daughter on the courtier in reward for his bravery. But then, in the midst of the wedding festivities, when the king and his whole court were seated at their tables, the doors were flung open, and in came Silverwhite with his dogs. The youth stepped boldly into the hall of state and greeted the king, and when the three princesses saw who it was, they were full of joy. They leapt up from their places and ran over to him, much to the king's surprise, who asked what it all meant. Then the youngest princess told him all that had happened, from beginning to end, and that Silverwhite had rescued them, while the brave and mighty courtier sat in a tree. To prove it beyond any chance of doubt, each of the king's daughters showed her father the ring she had wound in Silverwhite's locks. But the king still did not know quite what to think of it all, until Silverwhite said, My lord king, in order to leave you in no doubt and confirm what your daughters have told you, I will show you the eyes of the sea trolls whom I slew. And from his pouch he withdrew the twenty eyeballs he had plucked from the trolls' heads. Then the king and all the rest knew that the princesses had told the truth. The traitorous courtier received his just punishment, most likely he had his head chopped off, and Silverwhite was paid every honour the king could bestow on him, and was given the youngest daughter and half of the kingdom with her. After the wedding, Silverwhite established himself with his young bride in a large castle, and there they lived quietly and happily. One night, when the castle was sleeping, Silverwhite heard a knocking at the window, and a voice said, Come, Silverwhite, I have to talk to you. The young prince rose hastily without waking his wife, strapped on his sword, called his dogs, and went out. When he reached the open air, there stood a vast and savage-looking troll. The troll said, Silverwhite, you have slain my three brothers, and I have come to bid you to go down to the seashore with me that we may fight with one another. The proposal suited the youth, and he followed the troll without protest. When they reached the seashore, there lay three great dogs belonging to the troll. Silverwhite at once set his dogs on the troll dogs, and after a hard struggle, the troll's dogs had to give in. The young prince drew his sword, bravely attacked the troll, and dealt him many a mighty blow. It was a tremendous battle. But when the troll noticed he was getting the worst of it, he grew frightened and quickly ran to a high tree and clambered into it. Silverwhite and the dogs ran after him, the dogs barking as loudly as they could. Then the troll begged for his life and said, Dear Silverwhite, I will not fight you any more, but allow me to take the compensation owed for me for my brothers. Only bid your dogs be still so that we may talk. Silverwhite ordered his dogs to be still, yet they only barked more loudly. Then the troll tore three hairs from his head, handed them to Silverwhite and said, Lay a hair on each of the dogs, and they will be as quiet as can be. The king did so, and at once the dogs fell silent and lay motionless, as though they had grown fast to the ground. Now Silverwhite realised that he had been deceived, but it was too late. The troll was already descending from the tree, and he drew his sword and again began to fight. But they had exchanged no more than a few blows before Silverwhite received a mortal wound and lay on the earth 
in a pool of blood. But right about now, you must be wondering what has been happening with Lil Wacker. Well, wonder no more. He was still dutifully checking the spring every morning, and the day after Silverwhite had fought the troll, Lil Wacker was to be found by the spring. But this morning, he found it red with blood. Then he knew that Silverwhite was dead. He called his dogs, hung his sword at his side, and journeyed on until he came to the great city. The city was in great cheer, the streets were crowded with people, and the houses were hung with scarlet cloths and splendid rugs. Lil Wacker asked why everybody was so happy, and they said, You must hail from distant parts, since you do not know that a famous hero has come here by the name of Silverwhite, who has rescued our three princesses and is now the king's son-in-law. Lil Wacker then inquired how it had all come about, and then continued on his way, reaching Silverwhite's royal castle in the evening. When Lilwacker entered the castle gate, all greeted him as though he had been the prince, for he resembled his foster brother so closely that none could tell one from the other. When Lilwacker came to the queen's room, she also took him for Silverwhite. She went up to him and said, My lord king, where have you been so long? I have been awaiting you with great anxiety. You would think that his wife would be able to distinguish between her husband and not her husband, yet apparently not. Lilwacker said very little and was rather sullen. He had just lost his foster brother, to be fair, but one would imagine that he would say he wasn't Silverwhite. Then he lay down on a couch in a corner of the Queen's room. The young woman did not know what to think of his actions, for her husband did not act oddly at other times. But she thought to herself, one should not try to discover the secrets of others, and said nothing to him. During the night, when all were sleeping, there was a knocking at the window, and a voice cried, Come, Lil Wacker, I have to talk to you. Lil Wacker rose hastily, grabbed his good sword, called his dogs, and went out. When he reached the open air, there stood the same troll who had slain Silverwhite. He said, Come with me, Lil Wacker, and then you shall see your foster brother. To this, Lil Wacker at once agreed, and the troll led the way. When they came to the seashore, there lay the three great dogs whom the troll had brought with him. Somewhat further away, where they had fought, lay Silverwhite's body in a pool of blood, and beside him his dogs were stretched out on the ground as though they had taken root in it. Then Lilwacker saw how everything had happened, and thought he would gladly risk his life if it might in some way bring his brother back from the dead. He at once set his dogs at the troll dogs, and they had a hard struggle in which Lilwacker's dogs won the victory. Then the youth drew his sword and attacked the troll with heroic vigour. But when the troll saw that he was getting the worst of it, he took refuge once again in his lofty tree. Lilwacker and his loudly barking dogs chased after him. The troll then humbly begged for his life and said, Dear Lilwacker, I will give you the compensation you were owed for your brother. Only bid your dogs be still so that we may talk. At the same time, the troll handed him three hairs from his head and added, Play one of these hairs on each of your dogs, and they will soon be quiet. But Lilwacker, seeing through his cunning scheme, took the three hairs and laid them on the troll's dogs, which at once fell to the ground and lay as if dead. When the troll saw that his attempt had failed, he was much alarmed and said, Dearest Lilwacker, I will give you the compensation owed to you for your brother, if you will only leave me alone. But the young man answered, 
What is there you can give me that will compensate for my brother's life? The troll replied, Here are two flasks, and one is a liquid which, if you anoint a dead man with it, it will restore him to life. But as to the other flask, if you moisten anything with it, and someone touches the place you have moistened, he will be unable to move from the spot. I think it would be hard to find anything more precious than the liquid in these flasks. Your proposal suits me and I will accept it, but there is something else you must promise to do, that you will release my brother's dogs. The troll agreed, climbed down from the tree, breathed on the dogs, thus freeing them. Then Lilwaka took the two flasks and went away from the seashore with the troll. After they had gone a while, they came to a great flat stone lying near the road. Lilwaka hastened on in advance and moistened it with liquid from the second flask. Then, as he was going by, Lilwaka suddenly set all six of his dogs at the troll, who stepped back and touched the stone. There he stuck, and could move neither forward nor backward. After a time, the sun rose and shone on the stone, and when the troll saw the sun, he burst, becoming naught but a thin veneer of red on the earth. Lilwaka now ran back to his brother and sprinkled him with the liquid from the other flask, so that he returned to life. They were both very happy, obviously. The two foster brothers then returned to the castle, recounting the story of their experiences and adventures on the way. Lilwaka told how he had been taken for his brother. He even mentioned that he had lain down on a couch in a corner of the Queen's room, and that she had never suspected that he was not her rightful husband. But when Silverwhite heard that, he thought that Lilwaka had offended the Queen's dignity, and at that he grew angry and fell into such a rage that he drew his sword and thrust it into his brother's chest. Lilwaka fell dead to the earth, and Silverwhite went home to the castle alone. But Lilwaka's dogs would not leave their master, and lay around him, whining and licking his wounds. In the evening, when the young king and his wife retired, the princess said to him, I am very curious to know what has befallen you during the last few days, but what I would like to know most of all is why you lay down on a couch in the corner of my room the other night. Now it was clear to Silverwhite that his brother he had slain was innocent of all offence, and he felt bitter regret at having repaid his faithfulness so badly. So Silverwhite at once rose and went to the place where his brother was lying. He poured the water of life from his flask and anointed his brother's wounds, and in a moment Lilwaka was alive again, and the two brothers went joyfully back to the castle. Clearly Lilwaka is very fast when it comes to forgiving the man that has just killed him. When they got there, Silverwhite told his queen how Lilwaka had rescued him from death and all the rest of their adventures, and all were happy at the royal court, and they paid Lilwaka the greatest honours. After he had stayed there for a time, he asked for the hand of the second princess, and the king happily agreed. The wedding was celebrated with great ceremony and jollity, and Silverwhite divided his half of the kingdom with his foster brother. The two brothers continued to live together in peace and unity, and if they have not died, they are living there still. Well, there we go, another legend from Sweden. What did you think of it? Like I said at the beginning, it's more of a folk tale rather than a classic myth or legend like we would expect from the Greeks or from Norse mythology, yet I find them fantastic stories that, to me at least, have made a nice change of pace from some of the epics that we have had so far on this show. 
Next week, we are returning to the realm of the fan favourite and some animal myths. It will also be the halfway point of this series, I know, already! The back half of this series, though, we are having some of the more better-known myths, with the exception of maybe one or two episodes, and it all builds to our epic finale, which will once again be a two-parter, but from where, I shall not tell you yet. In the meantime, you can fire any questions to me in an email at themythspodcast@gmail.com, or fire them in a comment on Instagram or TikTok. And remember, in two weeks' time, there will be a very exciting announcement, so be ready for that. But for now, I bid you farewell, and I will see you in a week's time for the next episode of What You May Have Mythed. Music